0: Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Caden's podcast. Today I'm joined by Erin Labar. Erin is the multimedia producer and music reporter at the Winnipeg Free Press. She also co-hosts the Free Press's weekly pop culture podcast, Bury the Lead. Erin and I are talking about the Stereophonics 2003 release, You Gotta Go There to Come Back, and how this album has impacted Erin's life. Thank you so much for listening today and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Cadence Podcast. Today I'm joined by Aaron Labar from the Winnipeg Free Press. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on today. Well,
1: thanks for having me.
0: So, on Cadence, uh, every week we basically just break down uh, one specific album that has influenced your life or your writing or anything really um, in your life. So, for you, that album is You Got to Go There to Come Back by the Stereophonics.
1: Tomorrow. I my way home. So Yeah.
0: Um, so I guess we'll just start off with why is this the album that's influenced you the most in your life and in what ways has it kind of impacted your life?
1: Yeah, so I don't know if it's influenced me the most, but it's the first album that really influenced me, just because I spent so much time engrossed in music just for my job. But I remember seeing. I don't know if you're old enough to remember the the Much Music show, The Wedge. It used to be on in like the middle of the night. Yeah, and they played sort of like alternative music videos and stuff. And the lead single from this record, Maybe Tomorrow, they played the video for that, Mm -hmm. and I saw it, and I was like, Oh man, I love this so much! So I went to HMV and I bought the CD, and I listened to it probably every single day on my bus ride home (laughs) from middle school for probably two years. Um, It was. Because it is sort of more rock influenced than a lot of the stuff I had been listening to before, it kind of felt like the first cool album that I had ever found on my own. You know, like a lot of people will say it's the Led Zeppelins or the Rush or whatever, Metallica or whatever they got into as a teen. But for me, it was Stereophonics. And they are from Wales, so not a lot of people were listening to them. which made me feel even cooler, obviously. <laughs> that
0: was always the best part. It of was. course,
1: yeah. So I just, um, you know, not that I at 14 or 13 could connect to... A lot of what he's singing about um he being kelly jones the principal songwriter and vocalist um but i just i just really grabbed onto it and it just made me feel like a true music fan for the first time you know Mm -hmm, for sure
0: and yet it was something about um because i you know I, i definitely do remember the cd age like before streaming and even before itunes i remember a lot there was something really awesome about you know, like an album coming out and you just going, yeah, to HMV and getting getting the CD. And in that time, it was either having like the... Wa- I still had a bit of a, like, a Walkman when I was a oh, kid. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, or just, you know, in my mom's car, my dad's car. And every time we'd go into his car, it'd, be, it'd be, the album that I liked would basically just be circulating over and over again. Yeah. But there was something special about that before... Um, You know, obviously with streaming, you just get access to everything whenever you want it now, which is good. Yeah. Um, But there was something about just getting the CD and just listening to it
1: until it's just you know done. <laughs> and when I bought this, I distinctly remember also buying Michael Bublé's first album at the same time. And so I put this one in on the car, in the car on the way home, and the first couple, the first track is like quite abrasive. Mm-hmm. And I just remember my mom <laughs> saying, "Can you put Michael Bublé on instead, please? This is awful." But I was like, "No, mom, I'm yeah. a rebel. This is yeah, great. Exactly. I love it." Yeah.
0: So I guess with you, it's it's really just kind of time and place, right? With this one. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. they. I think they're they're still kind of an active band. I yes. I saw they had an album come out last year. Yeah. Um. So, it was just kind of the right because I think they had one right in 2000, like a couple years after year before. So, mm-hmm. why this one sticks out more than the other ones is just because.
1: It was the first place, one. So. Yeah, it was the first one, and and it's like the Stereophonics have sort of plot pointed a lot of parts of my life uh, since I started listening to them. Uh, I went to go see them when I was living in Europe. That was the one concert that I went to was to see the Stereophonics in Milan. And then I saw them again when I was living in New York City. And so they were kind of just like omnipresent through very important parts of my life. And it all started with this record.
0: For sure. So are there um, like specific tracks that really stick out as like like when you remember? Oh, for sure. Like obviously the first one you mentioned. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Yeah, maybe Tomorrow uh, still is on almost every playlist on my Spotify. I just Mm -hmm. love it so much. And people have... Have critics have slammed it for being kind of like a very generic song, but for whatever reason it just really yeah, it resonated with me. Um, and that
0: was, their, that was their big single. That album, was the big album, single, yeah.
1: And remains one of their biggest singles. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called Since I Told You It's Over. It's actually the last track on the record. And not even the whole song, but just like the first 30 seconds just like rips my heart out. Black and blue from the well down the road. cellphone lies down the I never
0: ever meant to make you cry if I could
1: take it back you know what I wanna burn up a look and I just love it so much because Kelly Jones has this really amazing gravelly raspy probably from years of smoking and drinking and being terrible to his voice but it just is like packs this emotional punch that I just I live for I love it so much
0: I love that one it's like uh, that happens a lot to me where if when you're listening to a singer just the way that they sound really impacts a lot sometimes it even impacts more than what they're actually saying yeah it's just those and even those little um imperfect imperfect little voice cracks oh, yeah. that show yeah. up on the album where I'm sure they kept it in there for a specific reason because it just it seems more like yeah. raw almost
1: and another one that a, not a lot of people cite is their favorite song and I don't know why but it's called getaway and one of the lines of the chorus is be my getaway and for whatever like when you're a teenager you're like yeah someone's gonna be my getaway and I'm gonna get out of this horrible teenage life but to this day I still listen to that track mm-hmm. a lot and it's just like a really beautiful raspy rocky track and I yeah love it for lot. sure yeah.
0: So you're still able to kind of go back to this album and it's not... Because I have quite a few from my um, you know, adolescence and my teenage kind of angsty years where if I go back now, I'm kind of like, eh, it doesn't really hold up well. But for you, you can still kind of go back and appreciate it for the time. But
1: Yeah, because I think it wasn't written for a 14-year-old girl, right? With in mind, it was written mm-hmm. as like a man's rock album. And so with that, in that context, it was kind of meant to stand up a little bit more than maybe like your average pop song or whatever but yeah no i i definitely when i when i get sort of oversaturated with new things i use it as kind of like a palate cleanser to be like okay i just need something familiar i need something comfortable that i love and then i'll put that on
0: yeah that's a good point to like just go that's true because there's just so much new stuff that it's like impossible to just stay on top of. Again, it, it plays in with streaming, but. Yeah. Um, well, and that, it's my
1: it's my job to know what's new and exactly. what's happening. And I'm a juror, a juror on lots of different things. So you're constantly like being inundated with listen to this and listen to this. And this person released a new single or album or EP or whatever. And it's just like, no, I need something that I that I know. Just for be today. familiar yeah. with. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I guess we've, you know, we probably all have those, you know, 10, 20, 30 albums that it's oh, just, for you sure. can go back anytime and never gets old that's another issue with a lot of albums that I I tend to like a lot is I could just kind of play them to death and then they you know mm-hmm. it, it could become too much but that's awesome that you know to have those specific albums that you can just listen to over and over and over again. <laughs>
1: yeah, and like I do forget about it sometimes and then I'm like wait, I should listen to the stereophonics today and then I just go down the wormhole. But um it definitely does hold up for me. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you feel like you like most about the albums? Is it the musicality or the you know the lyrics or the concepts, themes.
1: Yeah, I mean, or is it just
0: kind of that feeling?
1: It's a feeling, but I also what I loved immediately when I learned this fact that most of the vocals and stuff were recorded live off the floor. So these mm. are a lot of these are one take, and that's kind of what I love because it's it's that raw, sort of unedited, unfiltered. Like if there are mistakes, there are mistakes, mm. and that's great. And um, that's kind of why I love it because it is a little sloppy, and and I enjoy that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah and that that yeah, that just adds to that like the rawness and almost like the live Feeling of it exactly. So you, yeah, so you did say you you did see them live, right? I've seen
1: them live a couple mm. times. Um, oddly, they are the most sort of violent shows I've ever been really to. Is. Yeah, um, in Italy, they had to stop playing because the mosh pit got so cr- and you would never think, right? With yeah, this band. by listening to it, it um, yeah. they stopped their encore and told people to quit it, or they would stop playing, <laughs> and then they restarted the song. And then when I saw them in New York, like a very similar thing happened, and the fans were just so rowdy that it was almost uncomfortable so i don't know if i'd see them live again not because they weren't great but because the fans were yeah. awful yeah. yeah
0: that's pretty wild yeah
1: <laughs> yeah
0: that's a good point i guess you wouldn't really you know if to hear stories about that you would think it'd be a lot of um you know death metal mosh pit kind of stuff yeah i was but shocked i was so to, yeah. shocked yeah, they were just funny.
1: very too much into it <laughs> too much into it yeah
0: so were you or are you kind of a um like a, a fan of, like, Brit Brit rock or Brit, Brit totally. music? Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I got into it because I used to watch um, <laughs> The Hit List on YTV. Oh, I remember The Hit List. Yeah, yeah, and they used to feature a lot of British pop acts and so mm. I kind of found my way into British rock and, like, alternative and indie rock through that and I've, I've always loved the style of music coming yeah. from the UK. It's always really, like, gritty and awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah, very I, much into it.
0: Yeah, I definitely kind of had gone back because a lot of that stuff was before my time right like a lot of like the Oasis and Blur yeah, and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah yeah yeah. Um but going back and actually listening to some of that like as a as a full album not just like Wonderwall or whatever like the full thing. Yeah. Um like that what's the big Oasis album? Good uh, Morning Glory. Morning Glory. Yeah. yeah. So good. What's the story Morning Glory? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Also Australia cuz I would yeah. go through the UK and then I discover a bunch of Australian acts and that is also like a whole oasis of really amazing rock music too
0: so it's interesting that you kind of um discovered and got kind of latched onto music through yeah. traveling through that so would that just be through like seeing these bands live and then kind of discovering them and then- it's
1: like it's honestly it's like you would listen to this song and then there would be like a recommendation or it's someone that someone in a band that you like has collaborated with maybe they've used the same producer or maybe you notice that they have the same Mm -hmm. video director and they're like oh well if this guy's working with these people that i love maybe i will love these people as well it's kind of just doing a little bit of research to see who's connected in the larger fabric of things yeah for sure
0: yeah Yeah, but i mean
1: like bands like silver chair were huge at the same time oasis was Mm -hmm. so then you can kind of go for kind there. of branch off from yeah. different like, yeah. influences and that kind of
0: thing yeah yeah that's a good point um so this is always kind of a little bit of a tough question but would you consider this one to be like your favorite album if you have a favorite album or is it just kind of the one that you feel like has just had a big influence on you and kind of your musical taste
1: yeah i don't know if i have a favorite album <laughs> yeah because it changes all the time yeah, exactly. right As you're just as your mood changes your favorite album will change But this does sort of mark the beginning of sort of a formal love of music. Like this album was the first one that I would like burn copies of and give it to friends and be like, please listen to this. And it kind of, I I don't know, it spurred an interest in trying to figure out how I could have a career in the music industry without actually playing music. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like I would always think, but what, if, what would I ask Kelly Jones if I could interview him? Like what, what would I do if I got to see them live? So it kind of sparked all of that mm-hmm. for me.
0: That's a good point because it's, um, you know, me, like I used to play drums, but I'm certainly no musician. And when I listen to music, it, it doesn't really hook me um, the same way that I think music Does to a musician, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm super, super passionate about music, but, um, you know, a little guitar riff here or there doesn't, I don't think it gets me the same as what a guitarist would hear.
1: Well, yeah, you listen to it differently. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's an interesting point to like, as someone who wanted to, you know, break into a music career and music writing career. Yeah. And it's
1: like it's helped me make friends when I travel because they're a lot more famous overseas than they are here. And if I say, oh, I love the Stereophonics, Mm -hmm. they're like, like, us too. No way. way. How do you know about them? You're from Canada and. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. they've never played in Winnipeg, so I always have have to travel to see them, but yeah, no, it was definitely a very, very important record for me, Mm -hmm. for sure. Did
0: they break through, um, like, to the States or to North America at all, really, or was it... Um,
1: A bit. They have toured very minimally here in North America. Mostly it's, like, festival dates, Mm -hmm. like when Virgin used to have a festival, they would play there, but um, in the UK, they play, like sold out arenas and stadiums and stuff Mm -hmm. so it's it never was quite what here what it was there yeah for sure
0: um were there any other kind of like um influences or or albums specifically or artists or whatever that kind of helped to you know shape your your writing career and your
1: Hmm. (laughs) that's a good question (laughs) um well I started I started writing the most when I started working for the Free Press. So really, it's been a lot of local artists who have really sort of opened my eyes to what is possible in our local community here. Um, People like Leaf Rapids, they were my first ever interview for the Free Press. Mm. Um, I've done a lot of work with the Bros Landreth and um, Begonia and all these other artists that are doing really amazing, inspiring things here. And it kind of, in a weird way, made me feel better about moving from New York City back home because there's so many cool, amazing things happening here that you don't need to leave if you don't want to, right? Like Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so it's really just like the people that I encounter sort of every day in my job that mm. kind of impact me in different ways, for sure.
0: And do you kind of, like, in your, your role now, do you kind of pick and choose artists and shows to go to an interview, or is it just kind of whatever...
1: It depends. There. It totally depends. Um typically for like the shows at Bell MTS Place, we try to re- review those at least and sometimes get interviews if if um those artists are offering them, which is not always the case. But when it comes to local things, really it's if people reach out to me and say I'm releasing an album, if mm-hmm. I have time, I'll do a story. You know, it's I try not to play favorites so to speak because yeah. everybody needs um press push you know Mm -hmm. so um I mean there are people that I keep tabs on because our readers like to know what's going on with them but for the most part if you reach out there's a good chance that I'll find time to write about you (laughs) yeah for sure yeah
0: and was that um like obviously um New York was such a bigger market right yeah so was it was it similar there where I guess there's just always something going on. Yeah. So you would just kind of go wherever you get to?
1: I was lucky enough to intern for a um, music, online music publication there. And after my internship finished, they asked if I would continue to do live reviews for them. So that kind of forced me, not forced, but like encouraged me to go to a lot of shows. Um, And so I would go probably see bands three, four times a week just Mm. because there's like so so many venues and... So many amazing, like everyone goes through New York, no, mm-hmm. big or small, like everyone goes to New York City to play a show. So I tried to take advantage of that because I knew when I came back that I wouldn't be as lucky. I mean, it's getting better here, but there's still some bands that I saw there that I probably will never come through this way. So Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah,
0: it's too bad that I feel like um, Winnipeg gets, you know, there's there's some big acts. And obviously with Bell MTS and like when the MTS Center opened in 2004, I think that really helped to get some of the big name acts, like Mm -hmm. some of them. Um, So I feel like we either get like some of those really, really big acts, which is great, or we get really, really small acts. And I feel like there's not a ton of... um, In
1: between. The in-between. Yeah, it's because we don't really have a venue that seats 3,000 people, three to 6,000, so either you're going to limit your ticket sales and go to the concert hall for 2200 2300 or go to the burt for 16 or fill less than half a bowl at MTS center yeah but your costs skyrocket because you're in an arena and not a theater mm-hmm. so it's it's tough for those for those acts for sure mm-hmm. yeah. and it's
0: tough because some of those um yeah some of those more um, active shows whether it's you know yeah. some of the um high energy you know rappers or some of these like yeah you know young bands that are just you know yeah. not, not just kind of like the old you know classic rock guys if they play at the Burt you know it's with the seats it's kind of yeah. hard to get up and
1: although I will say the Burt has um is started doing a new configuration where they removed the seats on half oh, really? of the floor yeah they started doing that last year I remember going to see Daniel Caesar for Jazz Fest oh, and they took the <laughs> seats out of the first probably third of the floor so that they could have like a pit thing oh. and so it was really really awesome it was really cool that's, a, that's, cool. so that's that's cool. That's a good idea. That's a really, really great feature to have for them for sure.
0: For sure, because I know like at the at the Garrick like standing uh, on that, that slanty floor. floor. Oh my gosh! Don't even get me started. It just kills your
1: calves are just exploding yeah. by the end. Yeah, oh,
0: I know. Like I, way back, like I was in high school and there was this rapper who was really big at the time, Tyler the Creator. I guess he's still pretty big. Yeah, Tyler yeah, the Creator. yeah. And he was gonna play um, Garrick, and I'm like, okay, because he's very he was very high energy. Yeah. And then I guess it just got moved to Bert, I'm assuming he just had a bigger sold more tickets. Yeah. But he didn't realize that there was seats there. So in the middle of the show he kinda of stops and he's like, Are there seats here? We're like, Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize But yeah, standing at the standing oh, on the source of the gear, especially if there's like three or four acts. Like oh. by the by the headliner I'm like, I just want to go home.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, well hopefully like that would be such a cool place to see a band like this. Like stereophonics. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely.
0: So yeah, I, I guess like obviously their um, their popularity probably isn't as big because I didn't realize that they were. This was like early two. This
1: 2000, was two thousand three, yeah, two thousand three, yeah. yeah, and they had already kind of broken out in the UK. They were very very popular in the UK already at this time. So they had, they kind of came up in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties, around the same time as Oasis, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But they just didn't didn't quite make it as big.
1: Yeah, they just. I didn't guess because and, and it really just
0: takes that big. Um, like, I guess, did Oasis really make it because of Wonderwall? And, like, and Champagne like, Supernova too. True, that, that, was that was a huge track.
1: But I feel like Stereophonics had a couple of singles that you would know it if you heard it kind of thing. That's true. Even on the, this album, because I had never
0: yeah. um, really heard it before. And then when um, I went back to, when I went to listen to it, when you told me, I'm like, oh. Yeah.
1: yeah, they had two albums, two or maybe three albums prior to this one that had a couple of really, really big singles that would get played on maybe Power 97 here or whatever the alternative station was at the time. So people, you would know it if you heard it, Mm -hmm. but it just never really like picked up enough that they would want to tour, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Make sure to do yourself a solid and listen to stereophonics and get in tune with, with other bands that you might not have heard before, because yeah, again, this was the first time I had heard them before and, I really converted you exactly awesome and now I'll go and dabble through these different Brit Brit rock influences and not just the oasis of the world (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for coming on I want to give a big thank you to Aaron for joining me on today's episode be sure to follow Cadence on Instagram and Facebook at Cadence podcast for more information on guests and albums Thanks again so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.